Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. When a young man gets caught stealing, he has no idea he's about to uncover and become part of a disturbing conspiracy. And then we travel out to Roswell, New Mexico, home of the famous UFO crash that took place back in the 1940s. But what is going on in the area today? Is it possible that alien life still visit this site to reenact that deadly night? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Garfinder. I'm having a good day. It's a little cold, but I hope you're having a good day too. I hope you're staying warm. I'm trying to record all these episodes before the weather gets worse. It's five degrees right now. Yes, I will be complaining about it all week. I'm recording all these episodes back to back today because the weather is going to get even worse later. But someone who doesn't get worse later, someone who only gets better with time... Running into Dead Rabbit Radio Command right now. Everyone get on your feet and give it up for Gabrielle. Woohoo! Yeah! Wee! Yeah! Jump on in to Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Shut the door, though. Shut the door. You're letting all the heat out. Gabrielle, aka Knowledge Whore on Twitter, she went ahead and posted her Spotify wrapped to her social media. That's a great way to get the word out. You can support the show financially, but if you can't, if that's not an option for you, just do what Gabrielle did. Spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. I really, really appreciate everyone sharing their Spotify rap, so I'm making sure you guys are getting shout-outs as well. Gabrielle, let's go ahead. Oh, my feet are cold. That's how bad it is here. Yes, I'm wearing thermal socks. I'm trying not to complain the whole episode just in the beginning. Gabrielle, while I put on... Some heated socks. I'm going to go ahead and touch the keys to the Jason Jalopy. Let's put the roof up for this one. Turn the heater on full blast. And leave behind Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Gabrielle, drive us all the way out to Oklahoma. (laughs) Driving all the way out to Oklahoma. First off, I want to give a shout out to Patreon supporter, Discord member, Pwn the Monkeys. Own the Monkeys, I think is how you really pronounce it. Own the Monkey sent this story over to me a long time ago. Thank you so much. It's quite a bizarre one. One that's totally true. Why? Okay, let me back up from that. Let me say allegedly true. I'm basing all my information off a great article written for the website The World. It was written by Amy Julia Harris and Shoshana Walter. And they got it based on an investigation by Reveal for the Center for Investigative Reporting. So, allegedly, based based on their very good research, this story is true, but legally, I'm going to say allegedly. We're driving out to rural Oklahoma, and while we're headed out there, all of a sudden, woo, 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 there's a cop car behind us. I was like, oh, man, dude, stay cool. Stay cool, dude. 
The cops pull us over and they go, hey, um, we got a report of a vehicle that looks just like this, an old-timey chitty-chitty-bang-bang car that you were moving two kilos of coke. We're like, what? No, almost when profusely all of a sudden you're like, what? I didn't know Jason was a coke dealer. I was like, what? What? No, cocaine? Never. We would never transport. That's why I'm always letting someone else drive the vehicle. You guys didn't catch on. We've been moving drugs this entire show every time. Like, hey, the carpenter copter. No one ever pulls over a helicopter. Sure enough, they do find two kilos of coke, but I swear it's not mine. It really, really isn't mine. Doesn't matter, though, whether it's mine or the cops planted it there. We get dragged before the judge, this judge in Oklahoma, and he's looking at us, sizing us up. You know what? You know what? Your generation, your generation is all about the cocaine. You're all about getting high on the drugs. But what you really need is to work hard. You need to work hard, not work hard at being a better drug dealer. But, you know, like, get your hands dirty. You kids these days, you're playing with your fidget spinners and your Fortnites. I think there's not enough work ethic around kids these days. So I'm going to sentence all of you to a diversion program. You guys won't have to be in prison, because what's the point of sending nice lamos like you to prison? No. Another non-violent drug offender in prison, that's not going to change any lives. And even when you got out of prison, you'd still be a big old lazy bum with your silly putty and your slinkies. We're like, what? How old, how old is this guy? I'm sentencing you to a one-year diversion program with the Christian Alcoholics and Addicts in Recovery group. We're like, wow, that's kind of weird. I mean, it's listen, man, it's better than prison, right? I'd rather go do this whole Christian thing, right? What are we doing? Knocking on doors, knocking on doors, selling Bibles. I'm down. We'll do this Christian alcoholics and addicts thing, sure. So I go ahead and say yes for all of you guys. This is a real group in Oklahoma called CARE. It's a one-year diversion program. You go there. It's mandatory Bible study, mandatory church, and full rehab. So we're going to go there, we're going to read the Bible, we're going to go to church, and we're going to learn that drugs aren't cool. And then we get out a year later, and listen, rehab is difficult. Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. But I'm telling you this right now. This is going to be better than prison. This is 100% going to be better than prison. And you're like, I trust you, Jason. I probably shouldn't have gotten a car with you. If all the signs were there that you were a drug dealer this entire time. I don't know why it never dawned on me. But even though I shouldn't have trusted you then, I will trust you now. And I go, everything will be A-OK. We're in this transport bus with all these other young men and women being sent to this rehab facility. And as we're driving to the rehab facility, I kind of lean back and put my hands behind my head. And I go, everything's going to be OK. And this transport van that's driving us drives past a gated fence and heads into the Simmons Foods chicken processing plant. This is a totally insane story. Own the monkeys. Thanks for sending it over. That's our fictional story, but but there's some real bad stuff going on here. So let's take a look at a real person. Back in 2010, there was a guy named 
Brad McGahee. He's 23 years old. He was a father of two. He was behind on his child support. He had big dreams of like being a rodeo star, maybe even breaking through on reality television, right? The big, <laughs> the modern American dream. But life just wasn't playing out like that for Brad. He had all these financial obligations. He ended up getting arrested for trying to steal a horse trailer. Not just the horse. That would have been that would have been more badass if he was stealing a horse. Still a felony. He got arrested for that, started to fall behind on payments. He has fines for that. He blows off his parole officer. Not 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 making great decisions, Brad, but that's not going to excuse anything that's coming. He ends up getting busted for not following all of his rules, his probation, parole, whatever it was, dragged in front of this judge. And this judge sentences him to the care diversion program. But he's not a drug addict. He's not an alcoholic. And he's being sent to an alcoholics and addicts and rehab program, but he's neither one. But the judge says, I'm going to sentence you to this for a year. It'll teach you how to be a responsible young man. You're making all these bad mistakes. It's going to teach you a work ethic. And what happens is, yeah, sure, you don't have to go to prison, but they take you to the Simmons Food chicken slaughtering plant. And all of a sudden, this is Brad's life for the next year. He has to work in a slaughterhouse. A couple weeks after that, after all that goes down, he's in the slaughterhouse run by Simmons Food Incorporated. And he's sitting there and he's pulling the guts out of chickens as they're going down this conveyor belt. Dead chickens. Luckily, they get to him. By the time they get to them, they're dead. But he's sitting there in this frigid factory, ripping the guts out of chickens. And then the empty carcasses are continuing. (laughs) Hope you're not eating chicken at this episode because it's going to get gross. He's pulling guts out. He's throwing them in the ground, probably. The place supposedly smells, allegedly, smells of decaying chickens and feces. And they don't specify chicken feces. Some of it might be these men and women working there. These chicken are coming down the conveyor belt. They're throwing guts around for free. This is a non-paying job that the court has ordered Brad and many, many other people to undergo. The way that it is set up is care provides rehab and Bible study. Care was founded by... Chicken, this story sounds totally made up, but what happened was back in, I think, 2007, a bunch of chicken companies, chicken processing plants in the area, got together. It was a movement spearheaded by a woman who worked at Simmons Foods at the time. Her name was Janet Wilkerson. She founded this group called Care. She went to the, she worked for Simmons Foods. She came up with this idea because they had a previous program that worked but wasn't as exploitive, where they did work with people who had been convicted of drug crimes to work in there. This was one that she came up with, and she went to the different food plants in the area and said, let's fund this group called CARE, and what we will do is we will get these drug addicts and alcoholics off of their drug of choice, and in turn, they will work for us for free. And we will have the state send us employees. We will have the state find these young men and women who are getting arrested, making these terrible decisions, 
being sentenced to us for one year. We get a free employee for one year. We will provide them with rehab. And we will use the Lord to help with that. This is a Christian-based rehab program. But people who have participated in this program have said there were times where we would not go to rehab because we had to work. Work came first. So even though it was a rehab program, it was mostly a free labor program. And then you have people like Brad. He goes, I'm not even addicted to any drugs or alcohol. I definitely shouldn't have been sent there. But he was. Three months after Brad signed up for care, and he he, he wastes no time calling it a slave labor camp saying it was slavery, saying it was the worst decision. Because I think what happens is they give you, they say, we can give you a year in this program, or we can send you to prison for X amount of years. So they do have the choice of doing that. But when you hear that, you're like, oh, they don't know they're going to be working, ripping out chicken guts six days a week. For free. I keep keep having to hammer that home, because the last time you heard about people being ordered to work for free and being held in bondage. We called it slavery. This, They go through great lengths to not call this slavery. This is going on right now. You have these programs all over, too. Simmons Food and these chicken companies are not the only ones that use them. There's a nursing home in another state that uses them. There's a Coca-Cola bottling plant in another state that uses them. These programs are all over. If someone offered you... Three years in prison or one year in rehab, you'd go, well, okay, one year in rehab. And the next thing you know, you're pulling out chicken guts. Brad, three months after he was sentenced, he's pulling out chicken guts. Him and a co-worker were working this assembly line, and all of a sudden, all these chickens, there must have been like some sort of glitch, all these chickens slammed onto the conveyor belt at once. So they have this huge pile coming at them. So they just have to reach their hands into all of these dead chickens and try to process them as quickly as they can. Here's the thing. If you mess up at this job, like, you know how you might get fired from your job and you go, wow, that sucks. I need to get another job. If you get fired from care, you go to prison. So while you may be thinking, this sucks, I'd rather be in prison. At the same time, you don't want to go to prison, right? Nobody wants to go to prison. So you're working the job as much as you can. If you get fired, you go to prison. So these bodies of chickens are coming down. They're reaching their hands and they're pulling the guts out. His coworker, her glove gets caught on the conveyor belt. So he reaches over, Brad reaches over to help her out. And in turn, his hand gets caught in the conveyor belt. There's this kill switch, right? Most conveyor belts have these. There's this line, this rope you can pull to automatically shut it off. And someone reached up because people saw this was happening. He goes, I just felt my wrist snap. And my hand's in this conveyor belt. And someone pulls that string and the conveyor belt starts going faster. And now it's dragging him along. It's dragging Brad along with his gnarled hand caught in this conveyor belt. It was classified as a severe crush injury. It was pretty gnarly. No pun intended. If you get injured 
at this job, you go to prison. Because while you might get injured at your job and I might get injured at my job, we have workmen's comp. But here, they don't classify them as employees. There's a specific designation like a participant or a... Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what the exact term was. Out of all the notes, I should have written it down. But basically, they go, well, they're not really working for us. So they're constantly fighting every single workman's comp claim. And you'll see a couple of them in the show notes that I got from this article written by The World. One guy got sprayed with acid, not on purpose, right? It wasn't a fun, fun water fight that got a little out of hand. He was washing down a trailer and got acid on him. You'd have people get injured. Care would fight these workman comp claims tooth and nail because they're like, well, they're not working here. A lot of people, they would just try to work through their injury because if you reported the injury, they just go, well, you can't work here anymore. I mean, you can't be part of our rehab anymore. We're sending you to prison. Now, remember, this was only a year. When Brad mangled his hand up, they said, okay, because he's like, I obviously can't work on the assembly line. Look at my hand. And they're like, okay, you're right. You can't work on the assembly line, but you still have to work. Part of our rehab, it's about building a work ethic as well as loving the Lord. We'll have you work around the campus. So maybe that'll be janitorial work or picking up leaves or whatever. Things you can do with one hand. However, that will not count towards your one-year stay. You need to spend one year gutting chickens. So at that point, he's like, you know what? Screw it. I'll go to prison. The CARE program, it was founded by these chicken company executives because they realized they had a labor shortage. It's very hard work and very harsh conditions. Not a lot of people want to work there. And they realized we can not only get labor, but we can get it for free. That's like the craziest part about this story. And the court will send people here. It's not about like doing interviews or anything like that. Like, People will come here willingly. They can't leave for a year. They have to be good employees or they go to prison. And we don't have to pay them. But we'll keep on our paid labor force. Obviously, like we want people to work here who are paid, who are motivated to come, not out of fear, but out of skill level, expertise, just general work ethic that we're trying to build up in these other people. We'll still have a paid labor force. We're not getting rid of them, but this will shore up the shortages we have. And then they started firing. Then <laughs> they started firing people they actually paid. Over time, their paid workforce was getting laid off. Again, allegedly, allegedly, according to these reports, you have this free labor program. You take these people, they're given a choice prison or one year. Reading the Bible and going in rehab. Sure, I'll do that. They ship you out to this place. They have these two dormitories where it's six people to a room in bunk beds. You live there. There's mandatory Bible study. For the first four months, there's mandatory church on Sundays. And you're working the rest of the week. Get injured, go to prison. Not a good employee, go to prison. Too slow, go to prison. 
There have been lawyers trying to fight this program. It's pretty ingrained. Like I said, it's not just this company. Listen, there are legitimate diversion programs, I'm sure. But then you have, hey, go to this chicken factory, go to this Coca-Cola bottling plant. I get wanting to instill a work ethic. You get paid in jail, though. You get paid like 25 cents an hour or whatever it is, making furniture or license plates was the old stereotype. But all of the, when I was in college, all of our desks and chairs were assembled in the state prison system. At least that's how it was back in the 90s when I was in college. And they get paid for that. It's a very, very small amount. It, I would still consider that slave labor. But it's better than nothing. But it's not as much as, you know, they should get. But it, it's, it is this slavery program. But here you have, they're not even hiding the ball on this. They're just like, oh, no, no, no. They're working for free. They're working six days a week for free. Now, let's also give the other side of this. I did want to present this as well. And the article in the world did a good job as presenting this side of it as well. CARE defends all of their work. CARE says, you have to understand, we are instilling a work ethic in people who may not have ever had one. These people need our help. They said one in four of the people who enter our program, enter this program, when they return after that year, they are clean. They do not go back on drugs or alcohol. We have changed their lives. They also said, if you go a year Without breaking any rules, we give you $1,000, which again is nothing, and that's really not much. But they did have people say, no, I loved my time at CARE. Like, that got me to put my life together. And I'm not saying, that is true for some people. That is true for some people. Does that excuse slave labor? No. Does that excuse? But let me go ahead and, and say what CARE says about it. They said our program works one in four. We have a 25% success rate. Janet Wilkerson says, my brother died because of his alcoholism. And alcoholism almost destroyed my marriage. I know how awful these things are and how it doesn't just affect a person, it affects a family, it can affect a community. I understand that. Just the fact that I work for Simmons Food Incorporated isn't a bad thing. It gave me the tools to start this program to change these lives. Simmons Food, along with Crystal Lake Farms and Tyson Foods, these are the three big chicken companies that have signed on to this. So that's their side of it. Brad's story is, you know, his hand got mangled and he had to fight tooth and nail to get any compensation for that. He does go to prison. But he's fighting the whole time. So he fought and fought and fought. And CARE fought against that workman's comp. Eventually, after years, he got surgery. He didn't even have surgery after it was done. They made him wait on that. They were denying it. And even after the surgery, they said sometimes his hand would be in stinging pain. And sometimes it would go completely numb. Sometimes it would turn blue. And apparently, if he had gotten the surgery earlier, they could have prevented a lot of that stuff. Probably the turning blue part, especially. But because he went so long without surgery, stuff was starting to try to heal on its own. Eventually, he got surgery. Eventually, he got compensated $11,000. And eventually, he got out of prison. But now, 
he's addicted to pain pills. He goes, now all I do is drink Dr. Pepper and take these pills. He goes, I'm addicted to these pills. And that was something he did not struggle with before he went in. He actually said, before I went in, the only thing I was addicted to was Dr. Pepper. Now he's addicted to pain pills as well. It turned him into a drug user. Just to deal with the pain that he got at the Simmons Food Factory. That is Brad's story after he left CARE. Since Brad left, two new dormitories have been built to house all the new people arriving into the CARE program. One of the dormitories is the biggest one they've constructed yet. There is an endless supply of young men and women running afoul of the justice system. Which means there is an endless supply of free labor. Knowledge whore. Let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the world-famous carpenter copter we are leaving behind. Oklahoma. Fly us all the way out to New Mexico. I actually had an interesting dream the other night. I realized how this is going to sound super conspiratorial. But, you know, if I'm not, if I can't talk about it on a conspiracy podcast, where can I talk about it? I had a dream the other night where I figured out I lived in a world where everybody was on uh, Instagram or TikTok or YouTube. <laughs> like, Jason, the real world? No, I mean everybody. And I remember I was going to the dentist in my dream and the dentist pulled out his phone and he had like a little tripod and I didn't think it was weird at all because everybody did this. And he's like, hey, everybody, welcome back to my channel. I'm going to be doing a procedure on my patient here, Jason. I'm like waving. He's like, yeah, we're going to do this. And he's like cleaning my teeth or something like that. And he goes, yeah, man, I make a thousand dollars a month. Just streaming, just talking about my life. And in my dream, I was me. So I was already like doing the podcast and I have my YouTube, uh, TikTok shorts and stuff like that. He goes, I make $1,000 a month. I make $1,000 a month just streaming throughout my day. It's amazing. I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. And... In the dream, you know how like you'll have a dream, you'll already have background information of the state of the world when your dream starts. It's not like when I'm dreaming, I have to know what happened before. I have a dream and I go, oh, I know that we live. I remember when he was telling me this, I was remembering, oh, this is what everybody has told me. You can make $1,000 a month easy just by streaming a couple times a day. Put out a couple of videos a day, you'll have... 20, 30,000 people watching your videos. You'll see donations come through, $5 from here, $10 from here, and you'll make about $1,000 a month if you stream multiple times a day. That was the world of the dream. And what happened was in the dream, this is crazy because I could totally see this being real. In the dream, I figured it out. In this world, I realized something. The government was behind it all. 
the government was actually setting up bot accounts that would donate money to you. You had zero real viewers. It would show that a thousand people were watching it. Maybe it would be like four or five people. Maybe. But you would see you had a thousand to you'd see all these comments coming through. Oh, I love I've always wanted to be a dentist and like these da, 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 da. it's all bots. It was all bots. And even the donations were coming from the government. And you either streamed your couple videos a day and made a thousand dollars a month, or you didn't. But if you didn't, you didn't get any money. So once every and you didn't have to do anything sexy or any OnlyFans or anything like that. But just the average person on the street could whip out their phone a couple times a day, record themselves, and over the course of a month, you'd get $1,000 in donations. The government was completely behind it for two reasons. One, they wanted to set up a UBI, a universal basic income. They wanted to give everyone in the country a base amount of money. But it was, I remember figuring all this out in my dream. I'm a conspiracy theorist in my dream. They couldn't pass it through Congress. The voters did not want universal basic income. They didn't want their taxpayer dollars being spread out to other people. So they set up this program that was totally off the books where every person who videotaped themselves multiple times a day got $1,000 a month. And you would get these fake donations and you wouldn't be able to track it. You would think you actually had loyal fans who were donating money to you. The other part of the plan, they got their universal basic income Everyone's tax dollars was paying off everybody else, but nobody knew it. The second part of the plan was they knew what you were doing every minute of the day. They knew what you liked, where you were at, and you would talk, you would reveal this personal information, and the government was just gobbling it all up. You had a tracking device on you. That This part's real. The phone's a tracking device. But when you're opening up to your audience, the government's gobbling all that information up. Millions of people live streaming multiple times a day. They're making $1,000 a month. The government sells that information to the corporations for more money than it costs to run this program. And the corporations have complete targeting control. Nobody's really watching these videos. They're all bots. Maybe one or two family members. But for the most case, you would think 2,000 people hung on your every word every single day. It was zero. You were talking to nobody. And these donations were coming through. And what's funny is now, like, talking about it out loud, it would be easy, because as, as now that I'm awake and I'm, like, rationally thinking about it, it would be easy to influence someone's behavior. Let's say the dentist was revealing stuff. If the government really wanted to focus in on him, they could make the commenter say a specific thing or donate more money if he reveals, a like, if there's a real heartfelt response, maybe they'll donate more money, which will make him open up even more. But in the dream, none of that mattered. The dream just wanted the marketing information. They weren't trying to direct human behavior. Although that would be super easy. That's a big thing on YouTube, right? You make videos and then you make one video that blows up and then you try to make that same video over and over again for the next 10 years of your career. Even if you don't even like that game or like that topic, it's really easy to follow that algorithm. That wasn't even part of the dream. It's just the government wanted to give everyone money without Congress getting in the way. And they wanted all of your information. And then they would sell that information for a profit 
to these multinational corporations that will then hypermarket. It was crazy dream. That's the type of dreams. I normally don't like talking about dreams, but that dream's kind of stuck with me. A crazy conspiracy theory. Let's go ahead, though, and talk about something real that wasn't a dream. We're headed out to New Mexico specifically. We're going to be near Roswell, New Mexico, a town that I think needs no introduction, most famously known as the site of the CW show Roswell. We have a young woman. Her name is Leah. We have her real name. Leah is driving from Hobbs, New Mexico, down to Roswell, New Mexico. We don't have an exact time for this story. Recently, I believe, though, within the past couple of years. Leah's driving from Hobbs, New Mexico. She's staying with a friend in Roswell. On the drive back, it's late at night. She's flying down the road. She looks up and she sees something in the night sky. When all of a sudden, in the dark night sky, she sees a bright light zoom past her. She's not a UFO person. She's never really sat around and wondered, is there life on other planets? What wonders and horrors await the eventual Earth explorers that leave this world? She didn't think about none of that stuff. But when you see something zip by, a bright light fly through the night sky, and you're near Roswell, New Mexico... You're going you're gonna to be a little curious, right? You're going to be like, oh, maybe that was a UFO. But before she can really even think of that, she realizes that there are bright lights behind her. Not in the sky, but on the road. There's a car coming up fast, and the headlights are bright. Not blindingly bright, but brighter than a normal headlight. And she's Looking in her rear view, and she sees these bright lights. She's driving down this road. It's late enough that she doesn't talk about seeing other cars, except for the one behind her. But as she's looking closer at the reflection, she doesn't see a car. What she sees are two lights, almost like they're mimicking headlights, but they're not attached to any vehicle, and they're coming up behind her. Whether or not you believe in UFOs, something is off here. And she starts to speed up a little bit because she does get the feeling like they are pursuing her. She speeds up a little bit. The lights speed up as well. So then she slows down a little bit. We've seen this happen in other UFO stories. I don't know if I'd be able to find the episodes, but this type of behavior has happened before. It's interesting. I don't know if I would... Follow the same pattern, but I've never been followed by a UFO, at least that I know of. They do wipe your memory. Leia starts to slow down, and the lights slow down. But not only do the lights slow down, they start to back off. As if they don't want her to get a good look at them. She begins to speed up, they start to speed up. She'll slow down, they slow down, and back off. But she realizes something in this moment. Like, you could probably be thinking this is some sort of dream, right? I'm driving late at night. I'm super tired. This could be some sort of optical illusion or something. She gets the feeling she's being pursued. And not only that, she begins to feel like something 
is watching her. This is not a natural phenomenon. Something is intent on getting her. Something has an intention. There is an intelligence behind this. She starts to speed up. The lights speed up. She starts driving faster and faster. And the lights stay on her tail. They don't catch up so close they're about to ram her. But they are also keeping speed. At one point, Leia's hitting 100 miles an hour in these lights are just still there. But then Leia starts to hear this noise. And she describes this noise. She goes, I've never heard anything like it. She could not even compare it to anything. She goes, I never heard anything even remotely similar to this noise. And not only was the noise growing in volume... I realized it was coming from within my car. She had her purse on the seat next to her, in the passenger seat, and she said the noise was emanating from her purse. Leia's starting to slow down. I assume. Because what is about to happen in this story would require someone not to be driving 100 miles an hour. I will be honest, she did not specifically say she slowed down. I'm just assuming that. Because she's driving, and that could have been the intent of the noise, was to get her to back off. But as she's driving, she gets her phone. I don't know if the phone was in the purse or hooked up to the radio or however, but she gets her phone and she begins texting her friend. She she begins texting her friend, we'll call her Rose, who lives in Los Angeles, and she's texting her friend... Rose in Los Angeles just late at night starts getting these texts from Leia. And they're completely, they're not really making sense. Rose said, I'm getting these texts and I could tell that something had really startled Leia. And she's texting me while it's going on, but it's so full of spelling errors. It's like the autocorrector, words aren't making sense. That... I I feel like she's in a state of panic. She's just typing stuff out and she's not even able to double check it. And Rose keeps texting back, just call me. Leia, just call me because nothing's making sense that's coming through. Rose can tell that Leia's in trouble. Rose can tell that Leia is panicked, but nothing else is really making sense. So Rose keeps texting, just call me. And Leia responds, I can't. I can't. I can't call because they might hear me. Leia feels that this force is in her car. This force is in her mind. She said, I could sense the enjoyment it had over my fear. And as I'm driving down this road and I can feel this presence... And I could feel its pleasure in the pain and the panic that I am in right now. She said, I'm driving down the road and I see skid marks. 
peeling off of the road into the darkness. And then another set of skid marks off of the road and into the darkness. Then another set and another set and another set. And these are being illuminated by the headlights of her car. She's seen all of these skid marks where it looks like someone lost control of their vehicle and went off the side of the road. Now, not like off of a bridge or into a goalie or anything like that, but into the surrounding desert. According to Leia's estimate, she said there seemed to be 30 different sets of skid marks within a one-mile strip of road. That's Those are the two reasons why I think she probably slowed down. One, texting at 100 miles an hour, that'll definitely cause a couple spelling errors. But to be able to see all these skid marks, she probably wasn't going that fast. She's probably going fast. I don't think 100, but... What she's starting to believe is something is trying to get her to swerve off the road. She is seeing the reminders. She has seen all of the different times that cars in the past have been forced off the road by this same force. And then as fast as it started, it ended. The lights came out of nowhere and the lights vanished into the darkness. And Rose, in a panic state, continued on her journey down the road to her friend's house in Roswell. But when she got there, she was in such a panic, she refused to get out of the car. Her friend had to come out and help her get out of the car and get into the house. She would not leave her car. For the next two days, she was bedridden. She was horribly sick. Before that night, she had zero interest in aliens. It wasn't something she was into. Now she believes they're real. And not only does she believe they're real, she believes they were trying to get her to crash her car off of the road. Her friend Rose in L.A., they were talking about this. And... They wanted to retrace the steps. They didn't want to drive that road again, but they wanted to find out where it took place virtually. So Rose goes, hey, well, Leia, pull up your text messages. You know, you have like the Google history maps. I get that sent to me every month to show everywhere I went. Again, talk about the government, right? The government having all that information. They have it now, but it's just not as heartfelt and they don't pay me for it. Or do they? How many Patreons do I really have that aren't actually government operatives? When Leia went to go pull up her text messages from that night, they were all gone. The text messages she sent Rose, she could not locate on her phone. Rose is like, what? Did you delete them? No, no, I didn't delete them. And Rose goes, well, here, let me pull mine up. The text messages were removed from Rose's phone as well. I got this story from phantomsandmonsters.com. I always give these guys a shout out. Lon Strickler, you're the man. I need to buy some advertising on there. I, I keep meaning to. But um, great website, multiple articles a day about crazy stuff. More stuff than I could ever cover on this show. Very monster-based. A lot of Bigfoot stuff if you're into him, too. 
Lon Strickler did this write-up, and the thing I like about Lon, not only does he cite his sources when he can, he gets stuff sent into him, but he'll also do follow-up research. In this particular case, Lon said, I have an associate out in that area. And he talked to him about that story, and the associate said, uh, the Route 285 North, Route 285, which is north of Roswell, he goes, that road has a lot of incidents of people being ran off of it. Ran off the road by lights. So that might have been where this story took place, Route Route 285. It's a fascinating story. It's one of those stories that, I'm going to be honest, I think Leia got abducted. The horrible sickness, generally we see that with people who have been abducted, or very rarely we get it from people who are in close proximity to an alien craft, even if they're not taken on board. But generally, we just covered that story recently about that guy who got abducted out of his bedroom by those robot aliens. And then he had like explosive diarrhea and he had to quit his job because he was starting to go blind. And for like a month, he was sick. The fact too that she goes, it ended as quick as it started. Could have been that the aliens were pursuing her to a point. And then they were afraid that they would be detected by the military or other witnesses would come into the area and they backed off. It could also be that they got her. And they placed her back on the road and it didn't end as quickly as it started. They did get her. I would even go on, I would even go so far to say that the skid marks off of the road may not have actually even been there. That could have either been part of the abduction process, just like to rattle her, could have been some sort of hallucination induced by the alien craft. It could have even been, this is going to get really trippy, but it could have even been almost like a multidimensional thing, showing all the different ways she alone swerved off the road. And no matter how far she went, she would always swerve off. They'd always get her. They could have been showing no matter what she does, they will catch her. She will swerve off that road. But it could be that they pulled back. Because we do know that, unlike ghosts, which kind of have unfettered access around the world unless there's some sort of like consecrated ground or or protection like that, (laughs) missiles will blow up an alien vessel, right? The military's on a constant hunt for these things. Most Bigfoot hunters don't go out there with a rifle to kill Bigfoot. I'd say the majority of, the vast majority of them are not trying to kill Bigfoot. Militaries around the world are constantly trying to shoot these things down. So I'm sure they have it mapped out. We can pursue someone this far and then we got to back off. It's the same thing if you were a criminal. You're not going to chase people to the police station. You're probably going to back off a couple blocks before. If not just once they leave your neighborhood, be like, ah, it's not worth it. But she could have got abducted, and that would explain the sickness. It's interesting, too. I mean, when we look at the story of Roswell, which has been 
you know, incredibly well covered. We did an episode on it not too long ago. When I say that, I actually mean probably like a thousand episodes ago. But it seems like yesterday to me. A place where aliens crashed. The most famous alien crash in human history. It's weird that they would hang out there. It's weird that they would have such a presence there. And I also think it's interesting that it seems in some weird, perverse way they're recreating the Roswell crash, but with humans instead of aliens. If, does that make sense? Like, they're making humans crash. Because usually aliens, they, they can abduct a whole vehicle. We've covered stories like that. They can... A mimic emergency vehicles, so you slow down because you see a, a lot of red and... I can never find that episode. We did an episode about a long time ago about this couple was driving down the road and they saw like an ambulance and some flashing lights and they thought it was a accident scene, so they slowed down as they're slowly driving through this area where there's an accident, a gray alien like opens the car door and the next thing they know, they're just driving down an empty road. It's been years since I've done that one. I don't remember what episode that was. Aliens have all sorts of tricks. We did one more recently where the aliens pretended to own a gas station. So making the cars crash isn't something they necessarily have to do. There is almost a joy out of this. There is some sort of perverse pleasure they may be getting by reenacting the crash. But this time it's humans. Driving off the road. It's funny because a lot of times in alien lore, we see them as these noble, quote-unquote noble beings. They Very rarely do we hear stories about aliens having any sense of humor, having any sort of art or appreciation of music. Alien media, where they watch a movie for fun. It's almost like how you would imagine the, like the French royals to be above it all type of thing. Real boring people. But I'm sure they like a good joke. I'm sure that, it, I mean, I'm sure the aliens enjoy a good joke. Maybe it's because it's such a part of the human condition. But... You know, sense of humor is a little bit different. They are trying to run people off the road, and they think it's pretty funny, and they enjoy it. But you know what I mean? Like, I imagine aliens would do stuff for fun. But what they think is fun, even though there's no scientific purpose in running a vehicle off the road, they're doing it because they enjoy it. And it is might be a weird, perverse thing that in Roswell, they are making cars crash and thinking it's funny the same way a troll... Not like a cave troll. I have to be specific on a paranormal show. An internet troll may go to the site of the World Trade Center dressed up as a plane. And run around. He's going to get arrested? Listen, at best, he might just get beat up. But you know what I mean? Like, you could imagine some guy live streaming himself dressed up as a plane on 9-11 running around one World Center running around the memorial. People would be booing. His viewers would think it was hilarious. He's dressed up as a plane running around. What if this is that? 
they're reenacting their crash with the crashes of humans and the fear that it caused, which may also, in a way, be cathartic because they know that their brothers from space must have felt some sort of fear crashing in Roswell that night so many decades ago. But then to know that your brothers, your fellow explorers, not only crashed their craft into Roswell, but their bodies were taken and unceremoniously displayed for scientists and for politicians who had a high enough clearance. And it's possible even one of them lived was pulled out of this wreckage and subjected to whatever cruel experiments were deemed necessary by the U.S. government. And this is a way for the aliens to get a little bit of revenge while having a nice chuckle at the same time. Roswell is the site of one of the most famous, if not the most famous, UFO crash in world history. But is it possible that many more crashes have taken place since then that don't make the headlines because it's just the story of a car getting run off the side of the road? And then the driver regains control of their vehicle and continues on their way. But what they don't realize is that crash was just the beginning. Their memories were erased of the cruel experiments that were run on them. Their memories, thankfully, have clouded the true nature of that night. There was no scientific experiments that were done. No new information on human biology was gathered that night. It was just a group of aliens. It was just a group of aliens getting a little revenge for their fallen fellow travelers. The aliens may have crashed just once in Roswell, New Mexico. But on Route 285, every single night, there is a chance that a human may be run off that road. And find out for themselves, once and for all, how malicious these alien invaders can actually be. It's one thing to throw an alien in a cell and study it. For science. Is another thing to kidnap a human. And feed off his fear. Just for fun. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com. Is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com. Slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great day, guys.
Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.